Today is June 3rd, 2013. This is Amy Begley interviewing Ann Trayson for the RRCA Women Pioneers of Running Oral History Project. Ann is best known for winning the Western States 100 Mile 14 times. She also did the double of winning the Western States 100 and 12 days later winning the 56 Mile Comrades Marathon in South Africa in 1996 and 1997. Hello, Ann. Hi, how are you? Good. So you are best known for being an ultra runner, and you're one of the top high school runners um, in, in high school during your time. Um, but you probably started running well before then. So tell me about what age you started running and how you got into it. I started around, it's a little hard to remember that far back, but um, since I was born in 1960, I started running when I was about 12. And then there was an ad in the paper for age group AU girls um, the track team. And my dad thought I would like it. So he um, took me out there, and um, there were two coaches, Jim and John Heiserman, um, and they were just volunteers that started the program. It was AAU. It wasn't USATF. Um, and I ran with them all the way through high school, really. I did run cross-country in high school. We didn't really have a – I was before Title IX or it was being implemented. So there was a, it was kind of a transition period, and I stuck with the AAU for track and ran cross-country with my high school. And from there, I was reading that you had a knee injury and uh, you didn't you weren't able to run in college. Yeah, I was. I did go to University of New Mexico on a scholarship and injured my knee, and then decided to come back to California. I'm really a California girl, and went to UC Berkeley. Ran a little bit, but was having issues with my um, knee. And um, luckily, I found trail running, and ever since the trail running, I am. Um, didn't have those issues. I did tear my ACL many, many, many years later, but the trail running really helped after college. So, yeah, in college I didn't run at all. Um, competitively, I ran a little bit, but not much. Okay. And then once you started running on the trails, um, did you know that there was trail running or ultra running? How did you find out about that? Well, I did a half Ironman, and I basically almost drowned. <laughs> Not a swimmer. And then subsequently I was out training on my bike. I hit by a car. But the person who had the course record at South Ironman was known as Sally Edwards. And I saw in, like, this little um, giveaway magazine, I think it's, like, Competitor Magazine, that they advertised a 50-mile run. I was like, no way anyone can run 50 miles. Oh, my goodness, never, never, never. And I saw Sally Edwards had the course record at that, too. So I was like, well, I just did this half marathon, uh, half Ironman, and she had the course record there. So maybe I'll try this 50-mile race. So I had six weeks to train, and I just entered, and I found that there was no – I was recently out of college, so I thought, oh, you, you read and you learn all this stuff. But there really was very, very little information on how to train for ultras then. There wasn't even an ultra-running magazine. So I kind of just ran and entered the race and went for it, you know, kind of saw if I could go the distance. And that was 1985. It was from uh, it was from Sacramento to Auburn, American River 50. It's one of the oldest ones. They still have it. It's huge now. So um, that's kind of why I jumped into it. It seemed like kind of the same time that you would, you know, take to run. Oh, I guess the same time you would take to do a whole Ironman, maybe. No, half Ironman. Yeah, it was about the same time. She had about the same time. So I said, well, it's about the same time. You just run all the time. You don't do all the events. So... <laughs> That's, 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 there you go. No, so that to me it made sense. <laughs> you know, I actually I hadn't even thought about that, but that really does make a lot of sense, honestly. Um, oh, well, that's nice to hear because most people thought it was a little crazy. I had never, obviously, I'd run more than 26 miles. I hadn't entered a marathon up to that point. The longest I'd raced was uh, 20 miles in high school. Oh, wow. So uh, I, This was um, definitely a big jump for you. Yeah, I just didn't really, you know, when you're young, you just sort of do things. You know, and I just jumped in and gave it a whirl. So, and it really wasn't the most pleasant experiences. It was about 110 degrees. It was one of the hottest days in Sacramento. So, uh, I uh, I finished. 
Even did fairly well. I mean, beat Telly Edwards, which was kind of a surprise myself. But uh, I swore I would never run again because it was not that far. I would, could barely walk the next day. So it took quite a while from then to consider doing another ultra. Okay. And then what was the what was the next one that you ended up doing then? I can't remember. I just remember there were a lot of people that kind of took me under their wing then, like mentors. Um, and they saying, um, people who are running ultras, one, now it's kind of interesting, he, he um, Aaron Warnham, he now works for Charitable Trust, Charitable Trust. he um, hadn't even graduated from high school, ended up getting his diary, a total story, great story, but he had run Western States when he was 19, and he lived in Berkeley. And he just kept saying, you've got to run this course, you've got to run the course, blah, blah, blah. And finally, in September, this race was in April, he took me up and had me run the first 30 miles of the Western States course. And it was magical. You know, sometimes you just feel like you belong somewhere. And running with Aaron on that first 30, I just said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. It was, it was really, I, even I was running with him and I just, and I didn't know the course. And I just left him. I was, like, having so much fun. And I made it to the 30-mile place. And he was maybe an hour behind me. I had no idea what I was doing. I just was so in love with just running on trails and being in high country. Um, and after that, it just, it's been part of my life, pretty much. And obviously you felt like you belonged there because you won it, you know, 14 times in a row. Um Tell me about the first time. One year I had a break, yeah. The first time I, well, the first two times I didn't finish. I had a lot, right. huge learning curve. Um, I kind of overdid it, ran too far, kind of followed what everyone said and didn't really have a plan on how to train, so I kept getting injured. Um, and then uh, another mentor took me to Leadville. That was my first 100-mile finish. It was not Western States, and... He said, you know, you got to learn how to run less miles. <laughs> Just don't run <laughs> what everyone says. And we spent like about a month in Leadville, and I finished Leadville. Um, and that was 97, maybe? Uh, 87? I can't really remember. 80, 1987? And I learned a lot from it. Um, Rick Spady, he was, he's from Montana, and he... Um, Again, there's just people that come in your life that you learn a lot from, and he uh, taught me more of not running 160 to 200 miles a week. Just because you love something, you can overdo it, which is what I've been doing before. And so uh, from that, I, I, I uh, somehow was able to keep going at Western States um, for many, many years, and I tore my ACL, and that was at the end of my racing but. And so you said you, you know, you put running up to 200 miles a week. So what mileage did you start running that gave you probably the, gave you the best result? You know, um, it depends. For for Western States, about 140, 120 to 140 would be my peak. Um, for road running, which I found really harder, running Comrades Marathon, which is all on pavement, 100 miles of doing that. For me, it was, was about all my body because, you know, to get the best um, uh, out of uh, recovery and quality workouts, I found running on the roads, you would, I would could do less and, and still be uh, in peak shape for a road run. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And what advice would you give to people that would want to train um, you know, for 100 mile or for or any ultras that's never done it before. What advice would you give them? Well, the first thing I always tell people is to try and find people you can run with that know a lot um, or have done it before, because you learn. I always learn a lot from people, um, and and read up on on. Um, there's a lot more information out there, and. Uh, there's so many good coaches out there right now. It's it's really nice that there's just so much more information in um, trying to log in with at least an uh, online coach or friends or someone who's done it that can be your mentor um, through the first one at least um, is good. And definitely maybe not dropping into a 50, your first one, maybe a 50K. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
you do it in small steps instead of, you know, going for a lot of people jump in now and go, I'm just going to go run 100 miles. And you're like, you know, maybe 50K would be a good place to start first. Um, but more is not better. How about that? A lot of people get into this and they think more is better. And I'm like, quality when you're doing ultras is also something to consider when you're running. And curtailing injuries, so many people get injured, it seems, from doing too much too soon. And you're and you're pretty well known for, for doing the double, what they call doing the Western States and Conrad. Um, how did that idea come up and, and how you know how did you prepare and do that? Because I know um the Conrad is definitely um a very challenging race and did couple that with the Western one hundreds. Um tell me about the the idea behind running both and how you prepared for that. Well, really, Comrades used to be a lot earlier than they changed the date. And Comrades is really the, you know, they have 15,000 people running. It's really the biggest ultra in the world. It's like the, going to the Olympics if you're an Olympic, you know, marathon. So doing that really is it would probably be worldwide the one to go for. But I love the Western states. So, you know, probably a person who had a little bit more rationality in the brain a little bit would say, no, just do comrades and give Western States a break that year. Um, Because comrades got, so it was like 10 days before States. And I just trained. I trained mostly because comrades, they had a lot of good competition there. It was um, international competition. And it was very stressful to go there. I was never someone who liked a lot of publicity, so there was a lot of publicity. It's on TV. Can you believe this? They filmed the whole thing. It's live, the biggest sporting event in South Africa. Um, so like, one time when I arrived, I get into the car. They're transporting me where I'm going to spend the night, and there's a milk carton with my face on it and says, Missing, have you seen this person? Because I was known for kind of hiding out. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's me on a billboard. Yeah. So there was a lot of pressure that I wasn't used to. It's, uh, it, um, it was a relief after that. Recovery was huge to go from there to running Western States, but it was more that I just loved Western States. I just could not not start. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't rational. It probably wasn't wise, but it worked. Um, so in hindsight, I'm glad I did those. And what is recovery after an ultra? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, uh, what is the recovery after after doing an ultra marathon? Um, what, do you, what do you do for recovery? I used to take a lot of long baths. Um, I wasn't into the cold baths. You know, a lot of people do these, like, cold shower things. Um, uh, Really, I was always someone who liked to do short, you know, five-milers, really slow, um, massage, um, eating well, resting. Resting was huge, sleeping a lot. I used to sleep a lot after one of these, Um, uh, you know, 10, 12-hour days, 10 to 12-hour sleeps for... It always would take a few days, and then you'd just be knocked out for a couple of days, and it would feel so good to sleep. So um, sleep, nutrition, you know, uh, very slow runs. And while you're doing the ultras, everybody has their, I guess, their fuel and their, their strategy for running. What was your strategy for racing a 100-miler and fuel and, and rest breaks and things like that? Yeah, I basically one of the things I've learned in life is that I know I'm now 52, but in my my real age is about 12. <laughs> really, I'm a 12 year old. So I played games. I um, played games with my mind, and because uh, it's a long time to be out there, so I always thought that the hundred is a a lifetime in a day. So I was never a morning person, so I'd be starting out Western States. You climb quite a bit, like 3,000 feet or some crazy thing like that. And I'd say, okay, and you're not going very fast. People would be buzzing by me. I'd say, because I'm one years old, I'm learning how to walk. And then in the middle of Western States, it's, there's a lot of these canyons that are really, really hard. And I'd say, okay, I'm having my middle age crisis here, and I'm not going to let the canyons beat me down. Um, and at the end, you know, I'd be going, oh, my goodness, I still have 15 miles to go. And I'd be like, it's okay, and you're 85. It's okay. Let's make it good 85. And so I've always had these goofy ideas going through my head. I was also very focused on um, concentrating on what I was a good problem solver, I think. I thought more it was mental. 
than um, when you got into it. So thinking about what was ahead, um, what was going on, staying in the moment. I think that's what you'd have to say. I stayed very much after my little games that I played a lot, giving myself, you know, the patting on the back was I really stayed in the moment and tried to focus on what was happening. And the race would go by really fast that way. That wasn't the intention, but it helped me if something went wrong um, to to continually thinking about what could go wrong, where I was, how my nutrition was, um, how I was feeling. And if something started to go wrong, I kind of had a layer of things that I knew I could try to overcome. And I always had stomach problems, for instance. So if I felt nauseated, what were the true things that I could try? And I'd have like five things I could try. And and I used to mentally go through this a lot before race. So then when I came down to the race, it was always automatic to me, Um, the thought process at different stages of the race. That makes sense. Yeah. It was more of a game. Okay. You know, kind of a puzzle. Puzzle, a journey of uh, some sort. And ultra marathoning takes, you know, a lot of time and a lot of training and travel and racing. Um, was running ever your full time job or did you have sponsorship to train for the ultras? Yeah, I had Nike. I was very, very fortunate and it allowed me to go to all sorts of places in the world. Um comrades who paid for me to go there. Um, they they um, had a little bit of a stipend. I had a very supportive family, so that I um, at the end of my career I was able to run full time and do take care of things that family stuff. Um, so it all kind of could work out. I never was someone who just like run run run, but um, was able to juggle things that way by taking care of a lot of household activities, but then be able to run and not worry about finances. I'm not a big spender. I'm pretty frugal. So it worked out pretty well. And um, that's how I made that work. Excellent. And a lot of ultras have told me that it takes a big support system. Because first of all, uh, um, a lot of ultra runners have told me that it takes a big support system um, so I guess my first question is, did your friends and family think that you were crazy running this far and racing? You know, I really have very, very supportive friends and family. Um, my mother, <laughs> she taught community college, and she had a student who had won, run Western States. And when I told her I was running the 50, she was like, oh, man, don't do that. It's too far. So when I finished the 50, I said, I just, I never heard of Western States. So I called her and said, I can't believe it, Mom. These people went 100 miles. And she goes, dear, I know that. And I was hoping you'd never hear about it because I don't want you to do it. Because <laughs> she was always worried about me. So I, of course, said, oh, I'll never do that, blah, blah, blah. But um, unfortunately, she passed away a while ago. But she was able to see me finish one. And she, I'd get to mile 30, and she'd be like, dear, that's far enough. You don't look very good. <laughs> but I knew she was very, you know, she she. It wasn't like she chained me up or something, but uh, but during the training they were all very supportive and never really felt cra- like it was something crazy to be doing. They always worried maybe it was too excessive, especially when I got hurt. But uh, in the first couple of years I injured quite a bit, but um, it just became part of my lifestyle. It was more a lifestyle. There were a lot of in the Bay Area where I'm, I was living and still living. Um, even back then there were quite a few ultra runners, and we just kind of had a family. Um, that we met up with and ran on the weekends and the Wednesday. The same groups started running um, on Wednesdays in 83, and they're still running the same run. Oh. And it's uh, I still run with them. So, wow. And people come in different, you know, come and go in the group, uh, and we have new members, and it's not like a membership kind of thing. It's more like a family. So we have new family members every year. <laughs> It's really cool. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm, I'm helping. I'm helping. I'm going to pace one of the guys that just. It's going to be his first hundred uh, next week, this Saturday, in um, San Diego. And it's really exciting for me when you have new people wanting to run this far. Yeah. So and so he just started running with this group a couple of years ago, and he moved up slowly, and now he wants to do 100. So I'm <laughs> gonna be uh, part of his support system, which is really nice. And I'm more excited about that than I am about ever running myself. I'm really nervous about helping him. I'm like, well, I hope I can really help him and not, you know, be there for him. So. Yeah. Wow. And 
um, I'll just take a support system. How many people did you ever take with you to to help you along the along the way, like comrades and the hundreds? And I've been told that you know it takes a few people to help you get through those races. Well, comrades was really difficult. Nike had to provide a crew there, so that's a really hard one. Um, I had a rugby team help me because you could only go to one spot, and I needed someone like every 5K. That's a little different. And, you know, in the 100 milers, I'd like to keep it simple, so I would have a minimal amount of people. And I'm also someone who hates to ask people to help. So usually have someone run in. You know, you could ask for safety. They call them pacers, but they're more like safety monitors. Run in the last 40 miles of states, 38. And so I'd usually have one or two people that would do that. And then at most for other people, just for company, you'd have – um, the, the race is kind of split up, so you can have on one side of the trail, there's a couple places they can go, and on the other side of the trail, you know, different. Um, so you'd have basically two sets of crew, and I'd leave it to two people on each crew. Just um, It seemed to work better that way, and, and also, you know, you don't, the more people, and there's not, I wanted everyone to have a job. Um, and it's hard. They wait, wait. You know, you drive, drive, drive. You wait, wait, wait. And you come through as fast as you can. You're like, wow. <laughs> she was here for a minute, and I waited two hours. So you want them to have. I always wanted to make sure they had fun. It was very important mm-hmm. to me. Okay. And when you first started running, were there a lot of women running the ultras when you were running? Or not really. It was. Um, that's what's really exciting about now. It's um, there are a lot of women, a lot of really good women, and a lot of just you know back then. But people are um, women are giving it a shot, and they're getting the support from you know their better halves sometimes, or <laughs> their lesser halves, whatever you want to say it. But when I did it, it was a lot of men running and wiser girlfriends helping out. And okay. I kept saying, "You guys should do it. You guys can do it." So it's nice to finally see that there are a lot more women doing it. Um, um, when you ran, would you say that you were the only one, or was there like two, three? Yeah, um, no, group on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, there was um, one other woman that I ran, you know, that would run. So I would say back then it was like 10, maybe 15% were women, that's all. Wow. Um, it wasn't, you know, I might, I'd have to look at the numbers. Um, it wasn't huge. And um, I never really, I guess, gave it a whole lot of thought because it was more the distance. You know, I was very concentrated on going the distance, and I was hoping that a lot of these other support people who were doing it that were women would um, want to um, give it a try. And that's what's so nice now. You see a lot of these people saying, hey, you know, I can do this, and uh, it's not that, you know, it's not only for guys or something like that. Right. That answer, I don't know. That probably is one of the exciting things for you to see is how it's evolved and changed. Um, other than more women running the ultras, how how else have you seen um, the ultras change and evolve over the time that you've been racing? It's become more racing-like. To me, it was more adventure, and I still now just like to do adventure running uh, on my own. I'm on a run in the Sierras or Rockies, but um, there are a lot of events, so which is great because then anyone you can pretty much pick and choose. A lot of them are harder to get into. Um, it's and there's just so many more people. And the nice thing is, it's a lot more acceptable. So it isn't like considered crazy, like your neighbors would think you were crazy. So um, it's become more commonplace. Like for instance, a lot of the runs I do in the summer in the Sierras, rangers would be like, "You can't do that," you know. Um, I'd go out and do a 50-mile run in the in the Sierras, and rangers would be like, "No, that's dangerous." And or where's your permit? You know, an overnight permit. You can't go that far in one day. And now there's so many fast packers and people doing it, they don't bat an eye. So <laughs> it's, uh, in that way, if the rangers know it, your neighbors know it, it's kind of more acceptable. Um, it's not okay. that much different than doing a marathon, really, to a lot of people. <laughs> well, that's good. 
that it, it's uh, it's definitely getting more acceptable. Um, I think one of the things that some of the altruists have told me that they've seen change is, um, I guess, the fuel that people eat, and it, like the goos and bars and, and chews. Um, were those things available when you first started running, or how did you adapt? You know, that is huge. The equipment is revolutionized a lot of things. The goo, I use goo a lot. I used to do jelly beans. People made fun of me, jelly beans and snicker bars when I could. I mean, I was just good at it on those. And basically, in a lot of ways, it's not that different than goo. But it's just so much easier to take a gel um, and that energy drinks are a lot more palatable. And flashlights, oh, my goodness. It's it's huge. They're lighter. You get more light. Um, it's um, much uh, yeah, easier to um, to at least even, uh, manage what you're doing, and you don't have to think as much. You know, I I at the at the end of my career, I would just take a goo every 30 minutes and set my watch, um, and that's how it would get through. Before after, before that, it would be you know trying to figure out how to get your nutrition with what you could manage. Bars get kind of hard to chew, or um, granola bars before power bars, it was kind of miserable in a lot of ways. Hard candies, so um, yeah, nutrition's really big. Flashlights, um, even the clothes are nicer. You know, you have the cool max stuff. It's not cotton. Um, but that's probably true for a lot for every runner. You know, you probably wish you would have uh, invented the the. The energy jelly beans they have now, whatever those are, I forget what they're called. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I saw those jelly bellies or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I even think that I don't know if the chemical was. So they have a little vitamins in them, but it's still sugar, and that's basically really what you need out there. I mean, probably a little bit of fat and maybe an amino acid or two, but you don't need a whole lot of protein. And it's only a day, so you can get by on a lot. Uh, but you definitely need to keep your energy level up and not get insulin shock. Um, and uh, I still drink Coke. I don't drink Coke during, um, during you know, unless I'm going in for a long run. But uh, I'm out there for a 50-mile training run or something. I'll definitely still drink my Coke and Sprite. Okay. I, uh, um, but, yeah. It's, uh, it's always, I think, hard for people to, I guess, start thinking about what they may need because unless you get out there and do the whole thing, you probably don't know what your body is going to accept or not accept, I'm assuming, um, during an ultra. You know, it's really, that's another thing I'd probably tell people is you really want to experiment before the event and know what your stomach um, can handle. Some people have an iron stomach, and those people, that's a huge advantage. I never had one, so I had to really baby it a lot. Uh, and the heat would affect it, so I'd chew on ice cubes and suck on ice cubes just to kind of cool my stomach down. But you don't want to be experimenting during the event, so you want to be able to ensure that you can eat and digest anything you try before you get out there. Um, that's why the long training runs and, and making sure whatever you're going to eat or um, drink really works for you. Uh, and, of course, the, you'll learn that in the, the events themselves as you continue to do them, but... Training and using what you're going to use in the race is very, very critical. Okay. Having a less miserable experience, you know, where you... And it can be the difference between finishing and not finishing. What is the thing that probably stops the people the most in an ultramarathon? I didn't hear you, excuse me. Oh, so what, uh, what do you think is the thing... I guess what's the biggest factor that stops people in an ultra that would make it so they don't finish? You know, that's really a hard one. I think that's more of an individual um, issue. Uh, For me, it was injuries. I had a partially torn ACL for many, many years, and it was misdiagnosed, and it got at the end of my, you know, kind of racing career. I just kept running on it, and it would just get to the point where I couldn't keep running on it. It would get so painful I couldn't burn in my knee. So for me, it was just this injury. Um, that's what makes ultras fascinating. There's just so many different little things that can go wrong. Um, 
or right, I guess, but uh, I think that's just kind of an individual. I don't think you can really say one way or another um, what would stop one person versus another. Being A lot of times not thinking straight. You know, you might be something where you don't drink for a certain place, not being in the moment, getting caught up and not making sure you're hydrated, taking a lot of salt, you know, taking care of yourself probably is uh, an issue for a lot of people. You really have to be on top of a lot of things during a day or an event that long. That's what I would say that. That's what I would say. Okay. If you're uh, not really taking care of, you know, your needs um, nutritionally and uh, pace-wise, that you can get into a lot of trouble in an ultra. It's definitely uh, good advice uh, for people. And you, you said your career, you had quite a few injuries. You just mentioned the um, Achilles. What other issues did you come across with injuries? Most of it was due to my misdiagnosis in my ACL. That I kept running on it because they didn't notice that, so I injured a lot of other things, hamstring, um, pulled off of the fibula head, which is near the knee, because my knee was so unstable. Uh, so, and I ran pretty much 10 years on a ACL, pad ACL, um, that was by the end totally torn. It's incredibly painful there at the end. Um, but most of the injuries, well, I did one time have a, um, I partially tore my, uh, my Achilles, but other than that, it was all due to the ACL. Um, and when they went in and they did the ACL repair, they said I had knee of a 16-year-old, I just didn't have an ACL, so it isn't like I had a whole lot of cartilage damage or anything, which was kind of nice to know, but it was just unfortunate that I probably twisted my knee at one point, and I partially tore my ACL at the same point, and I had to live with it, but somehow I did for many, many years. Okay, you probably should have done a study on you and how you did that, I'm sure, putting in all the miles and still getting it done. Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I paid the price for it. it was like really horrific uh, hamstring repair, really awful. Full leg cast. Oh my goodness! Yuck, yuck, yuck! But uh, it, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. So I'm glad that now my my knee is stable. I just don't have a lot of. Um, I never really recovered from that. Basically, okay. You were never able to probably do what you wanted to do uh, after that injury, I'm assuming. Well, it just, it wasn't taking, it didn't, um, I didn't get the strength because it was after I was 40. um, So I did a lot of cycling for many, many years. And I got out of what I wanted out of the cycling. There were things I wanted right across the country. I did that in 30 days. And there were some double centuries I wanted to do. And I got kind of into this randoneering stuff. But I just didn't like the cycling. And so I've, um, just in the last probably six months, I started really getting back into the training, and I'm loving it. It's like I never left, and, and it's my family's still there. I went out and ran the first 30 miles of Western States last weekend, like Saturday, and these people that I ran with in 1985 were on the course doing the same thing. And it was it was like this really great family reunion. Um, one of the guys, Mark Brotherton, who won it in the 80s, was just out training. And it was it was wonderful. It was really special. <laughs> wow, that is really cool to hear that you can kind of just jump right back in. Um, I don't tell ever. Uh, I don't really. They told a friend of mine who was like second to me for many many years, Emma. Um, I think Winfield, but um, now she changed her. She name uh, changed. She was when she was babies before. Um, we're not we're not racing anymore. We're kind of running and jogging, but we like it more <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> so both of us want to do a hundred again. We haven't for many many years, um, but we want to just do it as a fun run, uh, and because that's basically it's still in our our spirit, and we love the trails and we love the people. So and we like the challenge of it. I think it's really nice that. Um, two people who were kind of competitors have the same kind of outlook on it. Gives us something to look forward to as we get old. Aw. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. And so during your career, 
you you had a lot of wins and and then you had some injuries and now you're getting back into it and I know we were talking earlier about you just want to kind of get back into it without any of the expectations of of racing without um, kind of the publicity and you just want to kind of enjoy it. Do you think you'll be able to to do that? Yeah, I really I think I I will because I love the trails and I love the people. Um, and it's a place that um, I'm not exactly spiritual, but it's a spiritual experience for me to be out, out doing that, and it just resonates with me. And so I don't think how fast you do it, for me, makes a difference. It's, in some ways, I didn't like the person. that I, I had to be so focused when I did the hundreds before that I'm hoping now I don't have to be as focused, and I'll see a different part of the run that I wasn't able to experience or experience a part of the run and the events that I wasn't able to experience before. Spend a little more time at the aid stations, maybe. <laughs> Talk to people a little bit more. I mean, running is so social yeah. compared to cycling, which I was doing. It's really um, – and I'm a pretty social person, so it's, it's nice to have that. And I think maybe being more of a back to the pack girl, you know, there'll be a lot of um, more camaraderie. That's what I see. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, experience. And um, it's great that you have been able to overcome the injuries and get back to racing. So I know a lot of people usually miss that. What What are you doing now, and what do you want to keep doing? What are your What are your goals? Not only running, but with everything else. Yeah, I am um, started coaching middle school. Aww. And I uh, track, and I'm going to do cross country, and I love it. I mean, I just love it and love the kids and um it's like i like i said i'm pretty much a 12 year old at heart might be not great for trying to be an adult um but it really got me into the idea of coaching and i'm thinking i might throw my hand into doing some um ultra distance you know trying to i'd love to coach first timers or um people who you know have a challenge or goal that maybe not the elite runners so much, or maybe, but I more resonate with people who um, are, you know, doing it for more in uh, first time event or have a goal that you know, taking an hour off here or there, um, but not having to beat someone. They go more um, within themselves and trying to help them find out how to accomplish their inner goal. Um, could be a challenge for me. I'm, it's something I'm thinking about and playing with. I, I haven't decided. Uh, it's growing out of my love for doing the middle school. So we'll see. Um, yeah, and and so trying to do, excuse me? Oh, sorry, middle school is definitely a, an interesting age to do because you're, you're getting a lot of people, that, a lot of kids that have never done it before. Yeah, we have the whole <laughs> Berkeley, where they were doing it, they're pretty independent little kids, let me tell you. So we had one eighth grader ran a marathon. I was like, maybe a little too young for that, but she did it anyway, had a great time. A lot of them are doing half marathons. It's incredible. Um, not wow. sure I would, yeah. Um, but I just like the spirit of that age. That, you know, they're just enthusiastic, and I've learned a lot from them. Um, probably more than they've learned from me, right? Sometimes I think, um, and so it's it's kind of brought back a joy to me about running that um, through the cycling I think I've lost, and it's it's bringing it back, and I'm able to transform it to the trail running and the ultra running and getting back to that family. So it's kind of a special period for me right now. Uh, it's I think it's all good right now. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I like it when when the stories. Uh have a happy ending like that. The things, you know, things are going well. You kind of put in your time with the injuries, and, uh, and now it's, it's a happy period again. Yeah, I couldn't um, go my <laughs> And at, when you were when, when you were doing the ultras, and there weren't there were not very many women doing the ultras at the time. Did you see yourself as a pioneer? Um, for women's running and for women's ultra running? Uh, gosh, it's so hard. Um, there was a lot of pressure on me. You know, looking back, I think we all were pioneers. I mean, so many people do it now. 
Um, I guess that's just a really hard question to answer. Um, it was more I just thought we were all little pioneers running ultras and uh, doing different, uh, you know, that was a little different. And But uh, I was always trying to encourage more women to run and try because I always was seem afraid of the distance. So I guess in that way. Um, and do you think that I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. I just um, was always trying to tell people if I could do it, anyone could do it, because I really felt that way. Um, uh-huh. and, so. and do you think women did run because you said you, you think they were afraid of the distance, or do you think they couldn't find the time, or it just wasn't really socially acceptable in their, in their family to do it because they were already helping the husbands or volunteering? You know, that's, um, it is hard to juggle. Um, uh, but compared to cycling, running doesn't take that much time. But it is hard to get in the long runs and to do the family and to work. And um, a lot of times, um, I think that was one time where women had to figure out how to be able to carve a time in for themselves, and that's really great for a lot of women to be able to do that now. Uh, sometimes it seemed like it was a little easier for men to do that. Um, and I guess there was some part of being afraid of the distance maybe, but, you know, I'd have to ask you. I think it's there were so few of us. You'd have, it's almost an individual basis. Um, I can't speak for everyone. Uh, okay. And, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think I was reading that you uh, you were a race director, I think, at one point for one of the races. Um yeah, I loved it. Oh my god! Yeah, the person. Yeah, there was a guy Dick Collins who was basically he was a back of the pack. He was a big mentor of mine. Um, I was doing 24 hours, totally pouring rain. I didn't finish the 24 hours. I did a hundred mile run there, and it was just pouring, pouring, pouring. It was the first time I met Dick, and he's like, "Hey, Ann, this is great. It won't be freezing cold. It's usually cold when it rains. It's warmer." And I'm like, "But Dick, there are like puddles in the track," and he's like, "Don't whine." And so I said, okay, <laughs> ran out of Mosley. It was someone I just really looked up to, and he was the race director of this race called Fire Trails, and he passed away. A good friend of his took it over for a couple of years, and it was kind of dwindling. So I um, did it for 11 years, and um, it was my love. I really liked to give something back. I was a volunteer. I didn't get paid, and it kind of got too big for me. I added a marathon, and... Being away, and I could only do it 100%, so I made all the cookies. I baked and baked and baked. I had this huge freezer and made all the soup, fed people. I always wanted a big barbecue, so it was a big family affair afterwards. We fed everyone. Um, there's, I was telling someone the other day, we had a vol- uh, homeless person show up at the finish one year. Didn't know it. And he's like, how do I get food here? Because we just have this huge barbecue. And I said, you have to volunteer because we see the volunteers, said, how do I volunteer? I said, you have to stand here and you have to clap for an hour. And then you're considered a volunteer. You just clap as they finish. And then we'll feed you. And he did. <laughs> so, um, it was, they called it a kind of a blue-collar event. It was basically, it was more for the masses, because Dick was like that. Um, ultras have changed. People like more goodie bags and blah, blah, blah. So Dick never even gave T-shirts, but... Um, I had to step up and start giving, you know, Patagonia this and that um, uh, to to change with the time. I didn't want to be like this old curmudgeon that said, no, you can only get, like, you know, a cotton T-shirt. Um, we, ch- we went we went with the times a little bit, but we tried to keep the underlying theme of it being a blue-collar kind of race. And, you know, that's, I'd only give out a free entry to the person who won, male and female. Um, so it was, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, equality in the event, you know. People would say, who won during the event? And I'm like, I don't care. I just want to make sure everyone's happy and everyone finishes and there isn't anyone who's injured out there. So it was, uh, it was a great time. It just gets kind of like big. So I gave it to someone now who um, is taking on the event, but it's it's more kind of a more for-profit event. Um, but at least it will survive. And it's kind of the times. I mean, these things now are, are for-profit and, 
um, to to stay with what the expectations are. And to get volunteers, you have to be able to um, sometimes pay people to help you now when they get that big. And I was never comfortable asking people to do, you know, do things that I wouldn't do on my own. It's in good hands. So things move on. I did it for 11 years. I gave back to the sport that way. Excellent. And, um, you know, it sounds, you said that the events get big. I know that they have to cap a lot of races because of, I guess, resources and they only can allow so many people out on the trail at a time. So what is the largest ultra right now? Um, that they have. You know, I I really don't know anymore. I, I just haven't um, kept up with it like that. I know the person I gave fire trails who took it over now has a 50K, way too cool. That might, I've heard might have 900. Leadville is 100 mile. It's now has a corporate. It's They sold to a corporate owner, corporate yeah, um, race director. They may have 700 people. Uh, a lot of it's like our. A lot of these are are limited by the park system or whoever you know the municipality or governing body that you're where you're going through. For for Western states, it's done by the Forest Service. So they cap them. They say the Forest Service will say you know we only think that you can handle so many people going through our woods at one time with that many crew. Um, you'd have to ask someone else. I have no. I do know they fill very quickly. That never happened before when I did it. Um, only 17, I heard 17% of the people who apply to Western states get in this year and get in. Wow. So it's it's really, in that way, it's um, exploded in that there's so many more people running. You'd have to probably call Ultra Running Magazine or something to get that. I think they always keep track of how many um, individuals are running, you know, how many people run have run an Ultra in a year. So... I that's not something I've thought about in a long time. <laughs> that's very cool. Ultras are definitely something that were a little bit of a mystery to people, and I think now it's, it's definitely become a little more mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a lot more mainstream. Um, so, which was good because I never thought it shouldn't have been. You know, it, it wasn't. People like sometimes thought it was like so crazy. It's like it's not crazy. It's 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 very doable. It's it's not some you know uh, you know they give you enough time for most people. You know some people they can't make the time limit, but it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a worthy challenge, but it's it's not a something you should be in a mental institution for. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's that's probably a good thing to. You tell people that it's not crazy and you're you're okay doing it. Like and if you don't like it, you know, if if it's something you try and you don't like, there are a lot of other things out there. You know, if you still like running, there can go shorter. <laughs> you can always go. You know, there's six days. There's all sorts of you know different distances in ultra running. So you can go from 50k to I don't know at least a six day. There's probably something even more crazy now, but. You know, I don't know about crazy, but tell me I wouldn't. I always thought 24 hours was about as long as I wanted to go. But now there's, um, and the adventure running is taking off. You know, the multi, multi-day multi stage races are pretty cool. So there's a lot out there, a lot of ways to challenge yourself and be outdoors, which is always a good thing. I, th- I think, yeah, getting any, getting people outdoors, any event that gets people outside, um, I am definitely a big fan of. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I just think people should, you know, if you get outside and you're exercising and you're seeing the beauty in life, because a lot of these events are really in beautiful places. And uh, how, what's wrong with that? It's all good. <laughs> and you get to see places that you'd never see before. I mean, I've seen places in the Sierras, and maybe backpacking, but, um, you know, that's the same sort of thing, kind of backpacking and just running at um, a lot of really special places in this world that you may not explore. I, have, I would never have been explored if I wasn't exploring on trails and doing ultra running. I, I think that's one of the gifts that people don't think about with running. They don't think about using it as an adventure to go to new places um, that they would never see otherwise. Um, I definitely agree with that. 
Yeah, it's definitely a gift. It is a gift. It's. Uh, I felt like it was a gift that I stumbled upon. And I felt very, very fortunate. I mean, a gift in many ways. You know, my friends, the family, the beauty of this world, um, getting outside. I have dogs. I run with. <laughs> they love. The, yeah, I found a dog at one of the runs I was marking, Wasatch. Uh, 14 years ago, I was, um, they called it the slam. You do four in a four of these different races in the summer, and I was helping. It was the the last one in the Wasatch Mountains, and at the like mile 30 designated station, there we were walking the first 30, and we stumbled upon her and her little brother, and she was next to death. Um, she became my running partner. She just changed my life. Oh. Um, I would never not have a dog that can't enjoy the trails. I mean, she's a border collie. and I have an Australian Shepherd, and they love the trails just as much as I do, maybe more. Oh. So if you don't can't get a a human to run with you, you can definitely get a canine companion. <laughs> yeah, I think that. <laughs> if you take care of them, I mean, yeah, I mean, up there, yeah, I have to make sure they're on their lakes and rivers and things to cool them down. Make sure they have, you know, a lot of water. Okay. Um. But that's also been a new joy for me in the last uh, 14 years is exploring an area that the dogs like as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll definitely let you know if they're bored, I think. Yeah. And it makes you stop more. Uh, <laughs> you have to stop true. every... <laughs> and so you see more than uh, every lake that I come upon when I'm running in the Sierras this summer. Uh, my little Zoe and will be paddling around in the lake and I'll maybe see a little flower that I might not see or, you know, some little lizard or something. So it's <laughs> kind of fun. Oh, that's very cool. Well, and this has been a really fun talking to you about ultras and you were one of the first women ultra runners and definitely probably the first to win 14 Western states. That's, that is a really big accomplishment that um, I'm sure – Sometimes you look back and, and wonder how you, you kept doing it. Um, 14 years, that's, a really, that's really amazing. Well, thank there, you. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that because you're like, you know, go to the Olympics or something, and here I'm like just going out and running some trails and getting dirty. <laughs> I think that's a lot of people's dream, though. Hey, I just want to go out there and, you know, and, and just get dirty. And I love the story that you used to get through it, too. I think that might, that's a great advice for a lot of people on how to, you know, mentally prepare and, and go through something like that. I love how you how you did that. Well, thank you. Yeah, 